those people that have passed away or those uh, things that have happened in your life, they only really make you stronger in your journey forward. And all those people that have left your life, they all want you to move onward. They don't really want you staying in the same spot. And you know, and that's what life's about, right? I mean, that's about the journey. That's author Michael DeRoche. He's our guest for today's show. If you've been impacted by the loss of a loved one or have just been stuck, whether you're trying to move forward or move from the past, this is the perfect show for you. Michael DeRoche is going to help us understand how to gracefully stumble forward, onward. Welcome to the Open Library Community Podcast. I'm your host, Nick. I also serve as the communications lead at the Internet Archives Open Library, where our mission is to make knowledge accessible to all humanity. One of the things that Michael touches on that really just took me back in our conversation is the people who are no longer in our lives or the ones who have passed away. They're the ones who wouldn't want us to stay stuck. That is, I mean, really let that sink in. I think about not long ago, a few years ago, my best friend, he was killed and uh, his car was struck by a train. He, his daughter uh, and his wife was killed, were killed that uh, afternoon. And I, at that point, um, it, it took some time for me to accept that I can still move forward. You know, I was writing letters to him, you know, just leaving them on my desk. And I thought, you know what, I'm not going to move forward until I can say what I need to say to him until I can hear from my best friend until he and I can get together at the same table. And I say what I need to say. I'm not moving on. I'm not moving forward. My mind had been made up on an internal level that I wasn't moving forward. And so I, I just got to thinking about when Michael DeRoche, he, he joins in and share, you'll hear in the interview that, wow, you know, he touches on some of those things about moving forward, even in some of the most difficult times. So I, I'm really excited about that. Michael is the author of a series of children's books. One is There's a Moth in Daddy's Coffee. There's a Moth in Daddy's Coffee. He's going to be talking about that. Speaking of moving forward, there's an interesting article on the Open Library blog. The Great Escape of Literacy. Be anything, go anywhere. Jason Armstrong, he has an interesting perspective on how reading literacy is the escape we need to move to get to the places we'll dream of. You can go to the Open Library blog, blog.openlibrary.org. That's blog.openlibrary.org to check that article out. That's the great escape of literacy. Be anything, go anywhere. In the meantime, this is Michael DeRoche on the Open Library Community Podcast. seems like a lot of the conversations we're having these days are about COVID-19 and how we're doing our best to sort of navigate through that. What's it been like for you? 
personally, you know, it's been an interesting year. I've had some personal things with our family. My father passed away in October. We have a young one, so we uh, that's been interesting too. Like if you have kids and you're dealing with the remote learning. You know, I had an old mentor one time that told me, listen, you know, the older you get, and I'm 46 now, the older you get, you know, you could glance in the rear view, but you can never stare in the rear view mirror, right? He always said that. He always said, look in the present, stay on the road, look at the future, but don't even stare at the future too long because that could change in an instant, right? So, uh, you know, I kind of live my life on that day-to-day present mindset. How do you stay balanced in a world that seems to be shifting so much? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. You know, being introspective, I think. I mean, I think that taking a self-awareness checklist, no matter if it's every 30 days, 60 days, once a year, whatever works for your own cadence, Life is really like a prize fight, right? I mean, it really is a prize fight. And people will say that, that every round, is, every part of life is a different round, no matter if you're, you know, having success in your career or failures in a marriage or you have kids or just positive things, negative things. You know, we all go through all so, so many things. You have to know going into every round of life that life is going to punch you in the face, that there's no way around that. You're going to get hit in the face if you accept that then you can be kind of like an on-field general where when things are happening, you can stay steady and calm and cool and collected in that present moment. So that's kind of how I live my life. And it doesn't mean that things don't bother me. A lot of things bother me. But I think that that's kind of where, you know, like I read some philosophy and stuff and emotional intelligence kind of comes from that, I think, in a lot of ways where if you stay focused on what's in front of you as best you can and kind of block out the noise of everything else around you, no matter what it is, personally, professionally, you know, stuff with whatever, whatever you got going on in your life. I think that you're able to stay in that lane, you know, don't stare in the rear view because it really, there's nothing there for you. I mean, you know, I mean, you can learn from your stuff in the past and you should, right? Even Matthew McConaughey in his Greenlight book talks about, you know, look, there's a pothole in front of you. You're going to fall in potholes. We all do. But if you keep falling in the same pothole and they'll figure out how to put a little two by four over it and walk over it or go around it, you know, then it's really on you to stop making the same mistake over and over. So how do we do that? How do we not step in those or fall in those potholes? Man, I, I just think about times where I things are feeling really good. Now, I'm not living a, a life of fear or anything, but, you know, things are going well. And then, bam, I hit a pothole and I'm like. Jeez. Well, I can tell you, Nick, that what you call it, it's not easy to live like that either. Look, I mean, even me, as much as I, I preach it to myself because I have to live it, right? I, I, I really do live it. It's not easy to not fall in that pothole from time to time. So when you're in those potholes or even coming out of those potholes, just assuming that those are difficult situations that you're faced with, even emotional trauma, does your ability to see creatively as a writer or someone who is in the branding space, are those abilities impaired? And is having thick skin a necessity for the days when you are in those potholes? Mm, that's a great question. That is a, that's very valid. I mean, I've been a creative my whole life in some respect, right? So, I mean, you know, I played sports and all that stuff, but I was always a musician. I'm a drummer. I mean, I, I've been a musician since I was my son's age, you know, seven, eight years old, whatever. So I was always in bands and, and doing different kind of things. Um, I've always, uh, you know, fashioned myself as uh, someone that was a creative writer, no matter if it was writing, you know, poetry or then later on in undergraduate work doing journalism stuff or you know, agency stuff now, obviously. So I've always been a creative and I'm a designer by trade. So, you know, so I've have, I think the two things that happen in being a creative when you're early on, 
and creative, I think that you don't have a thick skin, right? I think it affects you. I think that if people tell you your work sucks, and it probably does suck at the time when you're young, and you know, you, you, no matter if you're a musician, an artist, a writer, a designer, or a painter, I mean, your work is probably not that great early on, right? Until you learn from other people or really absorb a lot of other people's work. So I think that it really does affect you early on. That, you know, at the end of the day, creative arts in general and being creative in general, it's so subjective, right? It's not as objective as people want to make it out to be. People want to say that, well, there's science behind this color, science behind why you created a brand that way or the marketing campaign and usability on a website or a mobile app. I mean, there's all that. There is science and algorithms and all that proof. But at the end of the day, humans, clients, or if you're, in a, if you're in, uh, on, the, on the business side or a nonprofit side, I really do think that you have to develop a thick skin. I mean, you can't, I don't know necessarily if you can survive long-term in, creative wor- in the creative world without a thick skin. And you, if you ask musicians that have been doing it 30 years or designers or writers, especially writers, um, I, I don't know how you get a, get, keep going without a thick mm. skin. Tell so, yeah, younger creators that, listen, don't worry about it. If someone says your work's not that great, don't worry about it. You'll get better. So it's, mm. it's no big, it's their opinion. It's not fact. It's just an opinion. I mean, I, I think that's a one dynamic about the creative industry. Anytime you're using your talents and you're putting them out there for the world to, to see, interact, or experience them, it's that potential for someone to come along and say, eh, that doesn't resonate with me. So, And it's, it's taken some time for me to detach the gift from just the sheer experience of life itself and people having the right and the freedom to say, you know, I, I don't like that. Your work does not resonate with me just as much as someone can say, ooh, I, I like that. I did my undergraduate work at a, a state university in Connecticut near New Haven. And I got fortunate, like years later, you know, maybe like 10, 15 years later, I was uh, asked to come and do some adjuncting, right? You know, and I fell in love with it. I mean, Nick, I mean, I, when I tell you I fell in love, I mean, I fell in love with I was like, this might be my calling, right? I fell in love with students, like their minds. And it didn't matter to me at that time. It was, you know, these are college-age students. So, you know, I just loved how creative they were. I loved the idea that they didn't have any inhibitions about if it was good or bad or ugly or not. And then, you know, they didn't know any better because they're not working out in the field yet, building those chops, and people aren't telling them that their work is not good or good or whatever. So that really sparked that. And in carrying it on now, 10 years later, I've been fortunate for the last four years to be on the board at the Boys and Girls Club in a small city in Connecticut called Waterbury, where I grew up, actually. So I'm really interested in advancing young minds in terms of teenagers and maybe college kids that might want to develop more skills in an agency environment for writing, design, coding, you know, social media, stuff like that. I say the number one question I'm asked by young creatives is, What's the most important characteristic a mentor should have? Speak to that. Find someone that's going to tell you exactly how it is. Meaning, hmm. like for me, and I, and I pass these lessons on to students all the time, two simple ones. One, don't ever take your title too seriously, right? Because I hear, you know, people take their titles way too serious in business, right? You know, I got a director job. Well, I mean, you know, you know what that really means to be a director, how to lead people, how to you know, you know, treat humans the way they should be treated to do better work or whatever the case may be. And then the other lesson is leave everything at the door of your job, right? You know, meaning, you know, we all have, no matter if you're 20 years old or if you're 50 years old, you have drama in your life or other things going on in your life. And it's hard to, you know, be in the present and go to uh, work every day or whatever you're doing. 
Now, I can't speak for everybody, but I know I think back on my life. There were times where I would just feel deep down that I needed somebody to guide me. And there were times where I would say to myself, man, I wish somebody loved me enough to take time to tell me what direction to go in. I mean, it's that compass inside of you. I think a lot of people just know. I don't know what to do, but I'm going to do the best that I can. And they're looking at their life like, man, I mean, things haven't been turning out right. Then the question becomes, how do you find someone to mentor you? Finding one is hard. So I fell mm. into a couple, but I think um, I think it's hard to find one because, you know, I think, you know, you, I mean, Nick, you've been around a while. I mean, you know, the reality is that, you know, everybody's so self-absorbed in their stuff. And it's not, not that they mean to be. It's not that mm -hmm. they're selfish people or anything. It's just that. Look, I mean, if you got, you know, family and you got a job and you got, you know, you're paying the bills and you got health care concerns or whatever, I mean, it's just hard to say, okay, now I'm going to, this 22 year old or whatever, I'm going to take under my wing and teach them how to be better workers or whatever the case may be, you know? Your book, There's a Moth in Daddy's Coffee, I, I got to think if I'm on an all nighter and there's a moth in my coffee, I'm not feeling too good about it. I'm curious about this book. Talk, tell me about that. <laughs> Yeah, so it's going to be pretty interesting. We're we're trying to teach a lesson in the book right from the beginning. The the, the main uh, the main little boy in the book his name is Matthew, and so we're trying to teach a lesson of patience. And his daddy loves coffee, and but a moth ends up landing in his coffee, and instead of getting upset and anger, father takes the moth out gently and puts it on a cloth to dry, and then the moth flies away, and it's not a big deal, right? As a as an adult now, and as a father, you know, I noticed that man. So many things that would probably have bothered me years ago just don't bother me anymore. Like the little things don't matter. I mean, you know, like if you worry about every little thing with a three-year-old or a four-year-old or a six-year-old, I mean, you know, you're going to drive yourself insane, right? Or if you worry about every little thing a client does, you're going to drive yourself insane. So um, I'm hoping to teach some lessons in the books and we'll hopefully they'll be well received. An interesting question from your publication, Gracefully Stumbling Onward. Who do you cling to? When fate drowns your dreams, you also speak about reassurance as well. You know, and I think that what I always tell people is don't be discouraged. I do firmly believe this, Nick, that every organization, every business, every author, every musician, every uh, baker, every florist has something unique about them that someone that might do the exact same thing as them. They're just two different humans. So it's, everybody's got their own unique thing. It's just a matter of how you get that out of you and tell your own story. And it really is the key to everything. You know, I mean, I believe, I mean, when we talk to clients or prospects, I would say they ask them, well, you know, you're an ad agency. I'm like, no, we're really not. We're storytellers. All our job is, is to tell your story in a more effective manner than the next person. And then that's how we break through. And that's how we differentiate you from someone else. So I firmly believe I'm a storyteller at heart. And no matter what I do, if I'm writing books or if I'm, doing music or if I'm doing, you know, storytelling with my son and teaching him lessons or, you know, storytelling around a campfire. I mean, it's all the same. I mean, it's the oldest thing in the book, right? People got around campfires to tell stories because that's what we did. That's what you do. People, humans are humans and humans want to have engagement. And I think to your first thing about, about what had COVID affected things, I mean, that's probably the biggest thing is human interaction, right? And this ability to share stories together, not on Zoom. I mean, Zoom's fine and these phone calls are fine and podcasts. But at the end of the day, 
if you can't really like look someone in the eye and tell a story, I mean, it's not the same thing. Life is too short to spend a lot of your time. I mean, people say it all the time, don't dwell on the past, don't dwell on the past. That's harder to say. I mean, it's easier said than done. But really try to get yourself a discipline of just glancing at the past. All you have to do is glance at it. You'll still take lessons from it. You'll still, you know, you'll see something or miss a memory or someone that passed away or whatever. But those people that have passed away or those things that have happened in your life, they only really make you stronger in your journey forward. And all those people that have left your life, they all want you to move onward. They don't really want you staying in the same spot. And, you know, and that's what life's about, right? I mean, that's about the journey because I don't know how long I have, you know, it's just about the journey and, and we'll just see where it all plays out in the end. Here's to moving onward. To our listeners, thanks for tuning in to the Open Library Community Podcast. You can chime in or follow conversations about your favorite podcast episodes by connecting with us on Spotify or iTunes. Until next time, happy reading. <laughs>